Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John, and I'm glad you're joining me on the show. Our goal here is to provide what I call Blue Jeans Theology. That is down-to-earth Bible teaching that's in the language of everyday life, that's connected to everyday life, to help you follow Jesus in your everyday life. So that's what we're all about. And this uh, podcast, the whole online ministry, Bible and Life, is made possible by the generosity of people just like you. So thank you to all of you who support this ministry, who support this podcast. Uh, Your generosity means a ton to me. If you want to support the show, you can do that either through my Patreon page or through World Family Mission. The links to both of those are down in the notes below. You can check that out right there. All right, we have been in a series where we're just exploring what I'm calling questions of doubt. That doubt is a real thing. Doubt is not a bad thing. And if you're ever in a context that makes you feel like, man, you should not ask honest, real questions, that I'm sorry for you, to be honest. That's not helpful. Um, you should have the freedom to ask your questions and to explore those questions with people maybe who have wrestled with some of those questions before, people who might know a little bit more than you. And so if you've got questions like that, or if you need some encouragement in that regard, man, feel free to shoot me a message or email me or something like that. I would love to hear kind of what you're wrestling with and think that through. Uh, I've sat with plenty of people as they've wrestled with their questions. I've wrestled with my own questions, and I feel like the church should be a safe place for people to ask their questions and Uh, explore questions of doubt and questions of faith and things they're wondering, things they're hearing and things they're wrestling with. And we should do that from an honest and good heart where we're really seeking after the truth. And I personally believe that Christianity is firm enough and solid enough that it can stand the fires of investigation and it can hold up to that. Um, And if it can't, wouldn't we want to know it? Like, wouldn't we want to really know whether it's true or false? And so let's explore those things. Let's ask those things. And that's what we're trying to do, at least on this series a little bit, and wrestle with questions that I've wrestled with and asked, questions I've helped other people think through, questions that maybe sometimes the church hasn't um, always handled really well, questions that have come to me through email. So we're just exploring some of that together. And on this episode, I just want to begin exploring maybe some questions about the Bible itself. Specifically, uh, you know, as someone comes to the Bible and they read the Bible, maybe they're just new to the faith, or maybe they've been in the faith for a while, they grew up with it, but then all of a sudden they really start reading the Bible for themselves, they start hearing other perspectives on the Bible, and it's not uncommon for people to feel like, man, can I really trust this book? Like, I'm not so sure I can trust the Bible. And that can be... That can be a fair and honest question. I mean, the Bible is an old book, right? And at times it can be an odd book. Like there's things in it that are just like make you scratch your head or addresses topics that it's like, I've never thought about that. What is that even about? What, 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 wait. Or it addresses things in a way that's like, wait, what are they saying there? That doesn't seem quite right. Or at the very least, the Bible certainly can be a foreign book. And that's understandable. The Bible is an old book and it it is a foreign book. It was written to a real people living in a real world. That's not our world, written in a different language and now translated into ours. So it's at bare minimum, it's a foreign book. And some of its oddity and weirdness is because it's a foreign book. And we need to be honest about that. There's just things in there that don't always make sense to us. And as people wrestle with the Bible and they wrestle with some of the questions about the Bible, there are reasons why maybe they feel like, I'm not so sure I can trust it. One is just how old it is, right? Like, man, why should I trust a book that's thousands of years old? 
And that's that's fair, right? We, we can explore that. We can wrestle with that. Just briefly, let me just say this, that you don't tell truth with a clock. You tell time with a clock, but not truth. Truth is determined in other ways, not by time. And so something being old or something being new doesn't mean it's true or false. Uh, oldness doesn't mean falseness. Newness doesn't mean trueness, right? Like, uh, uh, we tell time with a clock, not truth. So we need to figure out truth in other ways. But I get that. The Bible is an old book. Maybe it's just out of date. Maybe we, right, it's passe. Well, if we're interested in truth, let's figure out the truth of the matter, not the age of the matter. Another reason people give for why they struggle to trust the Bible is, man, it, it seems full of contradictions, or at least that's what my teacher in college said. It's full of contradictions. Or uh, others have said, well, it's just been changed and rewritten so many times. How could you ever know what was originally written down? Um, or it's full of errors and it's full of mistakes or it's full of weird and odd and strange things. Or maybe even it teaches hurtful or hateful things. Like some of the things the Bible talks about, it talks about slavery. Why doesn't it ever call for the abolition of slavery? And right, like that sort of thing. Or it has some moral values that seem totally out of sync with what we think in our culture ought to be right. And so maybe it's wrong and maybe we're right. And so it's full of errors and mistakes. Or why Why should, uh, this is actually one my grandpa said to me when I was talking with him a number of years ago, why should I believe the Bible when a group of men got together and voted on which books were in it and which books were out? It's like, well, if that's what's happened, that does raise some question. Personally, that's not what happened. But that's what my grandpa thought happened. And when he said that to me, I was in high school. I didn't know what to make of that. Um why, uh, or uh, one, uh, one friend of mine actually wrote uh, this as a question to be explored perhaps on this podcast series. Why, why is the Holy Spirit able to only make human men write Scripture perfectly and inerrantly while they continue to be imperfect in other areas of their life? Like, why would we believe that? Um, and so there are, those are some good questions and some real questions as we wrestle with can I really trust the Bible? So let me let me just offer at first some general considerations, um, and and we'll we're not going to deal with it all in this fight. We can't answer all those questions on one episode, right? So we'll we'll have to deal with some of it next week. But let me just offer some general kind of considerations. Like if we were to sit down over coffee, obviously I would ask you some follow up questions. I would want to know what was causing you to distrust the Bible. And I would have this conversation with you. I've had some of my own doubts about the Bible. And there's certainly things that even after 30 years of teaching the Bible and being in ministry, I struggle to understand in the Bible. All right. So let's just be totally honest about all of that. Uh, but here's some general considerations that are important, I think, to us as we wrestle with trusting the Bible. And that's this, that I think we should focus primarily on Jesus. Yes, there's an Old Testament. Yes, there's a New Testament. Yes, there's strange things in both Testaments. But let's focus primarily on Jesus. Is the Bible's testimony about Jesus reliable? Let's narrow down our focus, at least for now, to that question. Is the Bible's testimony about Jesus reliable? And that means... If we're going to ask the question that way, that means not focusing so much on, quote-unquote, the Bible as the witnesses to Jesus. Um, and, and are they reliable? The, 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 the witnesses to Jesus in the Bible, are they trustworthy? Can we, can we trust them? 
Um, and that means worrying less about, say, things like inerrancy. Um, and, you know, if you're not familiar with inerrancy, that's that's the idea that the Bible, at least in its original manuscripts, was without error and true in everything it teaches, right? Um, and that last question that someone wrote into me wrestles with that. Why would we think the Holy Spirit can make people write Scripture perfectly and inerrantly, but they're not perfect in every other area of their life? For now, let's set that question aside, and let's just focus on this idea of, are the is the Bible's testimony about Jesus reliable? Are the witnesses to Jesus reliable? So that means worrying less about things like inerrancy and more about just trustworthiness, reliability. Are the witnesses trustworthy and reliable? Now, if we answer that question, and even if we answer that question in the affirmative, which, spoiler alert, that's the direction I'm going to go here in the next little bit, that doesn't remove all the difficulties, and it doesn't eliminate the hard passages. It just doesn't. There, there still will be hard passages. There will still be things that make us scratch our head. There still will be some difficulties with the Bible. But it does do two things. Um, it keeps us focused on the most important thing. Can we trust Jesus? Can we trust the Bible's witness to Jesus? Can we trust that? Can we have real knowledge about Jesus and what he taught and who he is and what he did so that we can trust him with our life? Can we trust Jesus? And two, it gives us a place to stand as we consider some of those other questions and other difficulties that we might encounter as we read the Bible. Like, we can at least stand with Jesus and stand next to Jesus, and we can at least be certain of that. So as we wrestle with the other things, our faith doesn't have to feel like it's being totally ripped to shreds and come undone, because we, we know that if the Bible's testimony about Jesus is true, we can at least stand with him and trust in him as we explore those things. And I think that's helpful, all right? So let's focus on that question for now. And then next week, we can uh, think about some of the other questions and some of the other challenges and difficulties with the Bible, all right? That's where I want to go. We're 10 minutes into this podcast, and we've just kind of done the introduction. So let's see what we can do in the next, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes uh, with regard to this question about can we trust the witnesses to Jesus? And the way I word that question just reminds us that we're not so much evaluating a book, i.e. the Bible, as people. Are the witnesses, that's people, to Jesus reliable? And not people who had some cool or amazing religious experience, but people who claim to be eyewitnesses to the historical events. That's what they claim. Or at least they claim to have interviewed the eyewitnesses. Say, for example, Luke. Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4. Luke tells us how he put together his Gospels. He interviewed the eyewitnesses to Jesus, he says. Um, and he wrestled with their, their testimony, the eyewitnesses, and he then wrote his gospel, his story about Jesus and what Jesus accomplished after having talked with and interviewed eyewitnesses. So they claim to be eyewitnesses or to at least have interviewed eyewitnesses. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter writing says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Um, the uh, apostle John, both in his gospel and in his letter, at the outset, claims to be an eyewitness. In fact, in his letter, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3, uh, he says that we, we saw him, our hands handled him, we observed him, we studied him, we heard him. Like, 
He does everything he can to emphasize, I am not telling you something that I just made up or something I felt or something that seemed cool to me or some experience I had apart from the fact that I actually was an eyewitness. I heard him. I saw him. I studied him uh, over the long haul. So that's what they claim. Um, and so are, are, the, are their claims reliable? Are the witnesses to Jesus reliable? Do they report what actually happened? Can we trust them? That's the question. Now, if you listen to the first podcast in this series, the one where I tell my story, you, you know that this is the main reason why I'm a Christian. Because in that episode where I shared my story, um, I talked about some of my struggles, and yet I, I said, after wrestling with it, feeling the pain of doubt and wrestling with things, that there's plenty of things I don't understand. There's plenty of things about God I'll never understand, right? Like, he, if God is who he says he is, he, he's infinite. I'm finite. How could I ever think, uh, you know, that I could ever fully grasp God? I mean, like, could an ant fully grasp me? Could an ant fully grasp you? Well, in the same way, I could never fully grasp God, right? There, there are plenty of things I don't understand. There's parts of the Bible I don't get. But if you listen to that first episode, you know I'm convinced of Jesus because I'm convinced the witnesses to him are trustworthy. So that's where I have landed as I've wrestled with my own doubts and my own questions of faith, that the witnesses to Jesus are indeed trustworthy. So let me just give you some of the reasons why uh, that's the case for me, why I think they're trustworthy. One is they get their facts right. The Gospels and Acts are loaded with all sorts of historical facts. And they consistently check out right where we can check them out. Doesn't mean there isn't some difficulties, but even in those areas where in the past we thought they were wrong, once we got more data, they proved to be right and our understanding of the facts uh, were wrong. And so they get their facts right, like geographically. They, they reference geographical places and cities and roads and all sorts of things, and they get those right. Uh, you read the book of Acts, and there's just tons of place names, and they get those rights. There's political regions mentioned, some of which we used to think were wrong. Once we learned more historical details, we learned we were wrong. They were right. They get those things right, those, all those places. That's not a minor detail. There are there are others, or at least one other religious book in the world that, that uh, gives historical data, and it's consistently wrong. It doesn't get things right. The Bible, not so. In fact, archaeologists, both even with the Old and New Testament, interestingly, archaeologists at times use the Bible to find places, to find cities and places, and it's consistently right. It gets it gets those details right. Politically, they get their facts right. Political rulers, political people, political names, even little little minor ones. Like in the book of Acts, it mentions a guy named Gallio, and it says when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews drug Paul before him. Well, we know from um, archaeology, from secular history, we actually know when that happened. We have an inscription that tells when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, and it was only for one year. It was from uh, for from the year between June of 51 to June of 52. That's when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia. It gets those details right. Um, in the Gospels, I mean, you have Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate and Tiberius Caesar and 
you have little local rulers like Caiaphas and all of that. These are people that are testified to from other uh, writings outside of, you know, like Roman writings and Jewish writings. Like we know these people exist and we know what their their titles were. We know when they ruled. We, it gets those details right. Cultural details, just about uh, the way the culture was, reclining at table, the way the houses were, the nature of coins and money and all those little details, incidental details even about passing little things. Um, and even specific individuals, some of these rulers or even minor individuals. There's a guy um, mentioned in uh, Romans whose uh, name is Erastus and he's the city treasurer. We have a little piece of stone from uh, Corinth that uh, says Erastus, the city treasurer, laid this stone on his own expense. Probably the same guy. At least we know there's a guy by the name of Erastus who was a city treasurer in the place where Paul was writing that book from. Right? Like incidental little details. So they get their facts right. That's important. Trustworthy witnesses should get their facts straight, and the, the New Testament writers do. Uh, another reason why I, I find them reliable is that they wrote during the lifetime of eyewitnesses. Um, I, we don't know the exact dates for all of the books of the New Testament. We don't know the exact dates even for the Gospels. Here's what we do know is that the latest possible date for the writings of the New Testament is uh, the 90s, all right? So before the year 100. Jesus died in the year 30. Uh, so the latest possible date for the writings of the New Testament is 60 to 65 years after the life of Jesus. During the lifetime of eyewitnesses, most of the writings of the New Testament we know were written well before that. Paul's writings were written um, in uh, no, you know, the latest mid sixties. He died then. He was executed then in the mid sixties. Most of his writings happened in the fifties and early sixties. Again, we're talking twenty five to thirty years after the life of Jesus. During the lifetime of eyewitnesses. Think about that. Uh, when this is being recorded, it is the year 2021. That would be like saying 1995. There are plenty of people around who know what happened in 1995. That's what we're talking about with the New Testament. The Gospels, like um, some people would put the dates for the Gospels in the 80s. It's possible the Gospel of John was written again in the early to mid 90s. Uh, but most of the Gospels were written. Uh, at AD 80 or earlier, so at the max 50 years after the, the life of Jesus, probably earlier. I personally think they're written earlier. I think the Gospel of Luke is probably written in the early 60s. Um, there's some evidence that the Gospel of Matthew was written well earlier than that. So we don't know the exact date. We just know they were written maybe 25, 30, maybe 40, 45 years after the life of Jesus, max, max. Um, that that puts them in the lifetime of eyewitnesses. Paul's writings in the lifetime of eyewitnesses, um, which means there there are people living who could uh, confirm or deny the facts they're giving. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, written only 25 years after the life of Jesus, says, look, Jesus appeared to 500 people, most of whom are still, after his resurrection, he appeared to 500 people, most of whom are still alive. And that's an invitation to say, you want to check it out, go talk to them. They'll tell you what they saw, right? Like, there are people alive who can confirm what happened. Um, groups of people, right? 
So it was written during the lifetime of eyewitnesses. And while we're talking about the Apostle Paul, just think about him as a witness. Like, he was an opponent of Jesus, and then he becomes chief promoter of Jesus. And the only reason he ever gives for for that is the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. And he was so convinced by that that he gave up his livelihood, he gave up his social life, he gave up his community, he gave up his up-and-coming uh, reputation as a Jew, he he changed his worldview for it, he gambled his afterlife on it, he suffered physically for it, um, he gave his, his energy, his time, his whole life, he died for his belief that Jesus was risen from the dead and appeared to him and commissioned him to be a promoter of him. In fact, all of the apostles suffered um, and died, never recanting their story. Most were executed for telling their story. So they all gave up their life, changed their worldview, ceased believing in certain components of their Jewish worldview or shifted components of the Jewish worldview to say that Jesus was the Messiah. And related to that, how did they ever come up with this story? Like, like if it didn't happen and they made it up, how did they come up with it? I mean, they had, as Jews, they had zero predisposition for this story. This Messiah that if they made this up, uh, he was completely at odds with the Messiah that the Jews of the day expected. Not only that, they they contended that he, he was a God-man. Like, the Apostle Paul says about Jesus, that uh, in whom all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Or the Apostle John says that, that the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. That, that was their contention. And yet, zero predisposition for that. No pre-understanding would have led them as Jews to invent such a pagan idea. They're Jews, not pagans. Uh, and then a crucified Messiah, a Messiah who was cursed by God and killed by the Romans, ludicrous. Like, how would they have ever come up with this if it didn't actually happen? Um, and, and not only that, how did they ever paint such a consistent picture of it? Like, how did all of them manage to tell the exact same story for dec decades if they felt free to make it all up or alter sayings of Jesus, as some people claim, right? Like, it, it, they were so consistent with their story about Jesus that even when unbelievers from that time and place commented on it, they reported the same story that we read in the New Testament. Josephus, Jewish historian, or even uh, some Roman writers commenting on what Christians believed and what they taught, tell the same story. They, they all believe the same story about Jesus. And, and then, what's their motive? Like, did they gain anything from this? They didn't become rich. They didn't become powerful by making it up. They were rejected. They lost social standing. They suffered. They bled. They died for giving their testimony, their report about Jesus. In other words... Their actions say they 100% believed they, the events they were reporting actually happened. And so it seems that there's really no reason to distrust the eyewitnesses to Jesus. And there's every reason to trust them. Uh, they gave their report during their lifetime of eyewitnesses in the very place where the events happened, where people could have denied those things, right? They, they didn't. They told the same story. They challenged people to check the facts out for themselves. Over and over again, they get their historical facts straight. And they told the exact same story, no matter how much they were tortured. And they told that story all the way to their death. And so I'm convinced 
that the New Testament writers are reliable witnesses to Jesus and to his crucifixion and to his resurrection. Now, as I said at the outset, there still are questions about the Bible. There still are difficulties as we read the Bible, things that are hard to understand that we're going to have to wrestle with. Um, and we'll explore some of those questions next week on the podcast. But having confidence in Jesus, that's the key to living as his disciple. And that's what we're really all about, is living as disciple. And the, the original eyewitnesses to him, they're trustworthy. We, we can have confidence in Jesus, enough confidence to trust the testimony about him, to trust the testimony about his teaching. Um, and having that confidence also gives us a reference point to deal with the other questions, to wrestle with those other questions. I, I don't have to get all those questions completely figured out to know that I have solid knowledge about Jesus. I, I can know him and I can trust him because the witnesses to him are reliable and trustworthy. And man, that is super, super helpful because whether we totally figure out the Bible or not, we can trust Jesus. When we look at church history and see some of the, the really vexing, frustrating, and awful things that happened in church history, I can still trust Jesus because my confidence is in him, not in the church, not even in the Bible, ultimately. It's in Jesus. Now, the Bible does play a role to that because obviously the witnesses, uh, their testimony is co you know, contained inside the covers of that book, but they are individual witnesses to historical events, and they prove to be reliable, trustworthy witnesses. And so that provides a real anchor point and a reference point to deal with a whole host of the other difficulties that might come our way as we wrestle with our doubts. Hey, I hope that's helpful to you. I know it's been super helpful to me to, to have that kind of confidence and hope it's helpful to you as well. I hope you guys have a great week this week. May you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.